You know, it's really troubling when I think of theme parks, all that comes to mind is how they're just ruining cinema right now. Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sattler, welcome to Jurassic Park. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey fam, welcome to a new episode of Stay Watching. As always, I'm your host, Larry. This week on the podcast, I wanted to talk about an issue that has been springing up uh, over the last couple of weeks. So um, I know not everybody who listens to me follows along with all of the you know latest entertainment news, um, but there has been a lot of, I don't know what to call it really, uh, there's been a lot of silliness around some comments that Martin Scorsese has made about the state of cinema and, and filmmaking. And, you know, I, I think it's a it's a really interesting bit. Uh, and I do kind of want to dive into it a little bit and share some of my thoughts, especially since, uh, you know, it's what I do here on this podcast is I talk about entertainment and, and share my opinions on what's going on. So, um Hang in there. I'm going to give you a little bit of the background, and then I'm going to just kind of dive right into what I think about it. So a few weeks ago, Martin Scorsese, who is currently, you know, doing the promotional work on uh, The Irishman, his new film that's going to be going straight to Netflix after doing a short run in a limited variety of theaters, um, was asked about the Marvel movies and and what he felt about them. And, you know, his, his following comment really kind of started this little bit of a, a firestorm um, obviously, uh, fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe got a little ruffled. Uh, people just kind of interpreting his comments as being dismissive of a lot of different types of movies got a bit ruffled. I, I, I myself actually got a little bit ruffled, even though like I, I understand where he was coming from. I, I felt like the comments did bristle me a bit. Um, so I'm just going to read uh, what he had to say about, you know, when asked about the Marvel movies. So he says, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the, the closest I can think of them, as well made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. Uh, okay. Um, all right. Yeah, I guess there's, there's no emotions. There's no psychology being conveyed in Marvel movies. I, I mean, I, I'm sure you can argue with that. I, I don't really care about the argument there. Um, because I, I think the problem with that comment is it, it kind of goes and it, it doesn't just affect Marvel movies. I, I would wager you could make the same argument against a lot of different movies. And some movies that we probably all know and love have had 
that type of argument made against them as to why they're not films or why they're not cinema. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of people were also thinking, you know, maybe maybe he didn't fully mean this. Maybe he was just like speaking out of turn or offhand. Uh, but then, you know, at, at a, another event, he doubled down. And what he said was, theaters have become amusement parks. That is all fine and good, but don't invade everything else in that sense. That is fine and good for those who enjoy that type of film and, by the way, knowing what goes into them now, I admire what they do. It's not my kind of thing. It simply is not. It's creating another kind of audience that thinks cinema is that. You know, and 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 that's that's where I kind of I kind of uh, am a, I'm a little I'm a little confused. I'm a little uh, I'm scratching my head a bit because, you know, for for me, for the longest time, um, as I've been doing this podcast and as I've been thinking about movies and film, um, you know, there's there's always that thing in the back of my head. It's like, what do I consider a film? What do I consider movies? Um, now, I let me just inject cinema into that. So what's cinema? What's what's a film? What are movies? Like, why are we having these conversations? You know, and I think part of the reason is, you know, there's this, there's almost this sense that, you know, artisans or auteurs want to find some way to kind of disconnect themselves from the mass of what's out there. And, and that it very much seems like that's what's going on here with Scorsese. Um, so a little bit of the background, and I don't know how much of this is true because this is a lot of what he has been saying, um, you know, while, while doing kind of press for the Irishman, but supposedly there weren't any uh, studios who really wanted to take on the risk of doing a movie with Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Martin Scorsese, which is which is baffling to me. Um, one, but you know he was kind of he's been giving us this idea that no one wanted to take a risk on this, no studios wanted to take a risk on this. We know that's not true because Netflix paid an awful lot of money to make sure that this thing was made uh, and that they got it, which fair. I mean, I think one of the things that uh, I talked about on an earlier episode of this podcast um, with my friend Zach was just the idea that, um, you know, the means of production are changing and where we are seeing productions move is so much different than it used to be. Um, and so we're seeing places like Netflix, we're seeing places like Hulu get full cinematic productions that are just now available on streaming. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, at the same time, I think it's a bit disingenuous to say that no one is willing to make these films. You know, um, since it's, as I'm recording it, this, it's the Halloween season. And, um, you know, I, I just watched a little film called The Witch, The Witch. Um, and, you know, the director of that film has a new film coming out called <laughs> the lighthouse which is not a big blockbuster science fiction superhero movie but it's getting made 
uh, that I wouldn't think is a theme park. So I, I don't know. There's this weird idea that auteur cinema, artisan cinema isn't getting made. And I have a lot of questions about that because, you know, I'm a person who goes to the theater when I have time, when work isn't, you know, keeping me shackled to my desk. Um, you know, I am trying to get out to the theater two to three times a week. And most of the time I go, I see usually one bigger budget film, you know, and it all depends on the release schedule, one bigger budget film and a, and a handful, you know, one or two, uh, what we would consider independent or artisan films. And so it's this idea that we don't get smaller artisan cinema anymore is just weird to me because those films are still coming out. And I would actually argue that because of a lot of the restrictions, because of, you know, those films not necessarily making as much money as they used to, some of these some of these artists, some of these filmmakers are are doing newer things. They're taking more risks um, and they're approaching these films in, in a vastly different way. So like I'll, I'll probably get into the semantics of Scorsese's comments throughout this thing. But, you know, as, as I was just talking about this, what immediately came to mind, especially referencing back to The Witch and, and Spooky Season, which we're in right now, um, you know, a film that came to mind was Ari Aster's um, Hereditary. So Hereditary is a, is a film that had a budget of like 10 million. His follow-up film, Midsummer, had a budget of maybe eight to $10 million. So they're both independent films. They're both lower, you know, lower budget films that are produced outside of the major studio, despite having, you know, pretty, pretty good backing once they got picked up. And, and what's interesting about this to me is just thinking about Scorsese's argument of the theme park. It's, it's almost like, well, do, do horror movies automatically not count as cinema? You know, I, I I have a lot of problems with that idea, you know, having just saw, you know, the remaster of, of The Shining in theaters a couple of weeks ago. But like, is that what he's saying? Is, is the kind of, is the ride, is the haunted house, are these things, you know, not cinema? Or is it just a matter of how they're produced and who is producing them? that determines whether or not something is cinema. Because I would make the argument that I think that Ari Aster's films can go toe to toe with any, you know, I'm doing big air quotes here, if you could see me, cinema that's out there. Um, I think he does a great job of having these emotional, psychological conversations through his films. Um, but they are horror films, you know, there is an element of them being a ride, you know, that's, that's the thing, you know, I, and, and I think that's something that like, I kind of want to just jump over to real quick. It's like this idea that it, it's almost like this idea that film cinema, yeah, let's just use his language here, that cinema can't be exciting, which is baffling because, all right, like, yes, cinema is an art form, but it's also a form of escapism. You know, the films theater was this thing for people to have experiences outside of themselves. Whether, whether they were good experiences, bad experiences, 
the idea for me at least and the way that I see it uh, and you know just kind of looking back in time at the kind of stuff that was being made was this whole idea that you go to the theater you watch these films you you enjoy cinema not specifically because of the art form you know at least at a general level you know because you know obviously there are always going to be people who love the art form and are looking at how things are made and marvel at that and i think that was one of the spectacles of filmmaking of all time you know people people love to kind of see this stuff come together and you know once they see how the sausage is made they're they're sometimes even more excited about it and you know obviously for someone like scorsese i think that's probably something that's pretty important to him um but you know it's this whole idea of we're going to escape we're watching these things to escape to have a different adventure that is outside of our own to learn about people we'll never meet to see places we'll never go to to experience things to experience things we can't possibly experience in real life um you know and i and i think those are very important values that cinema espouses outside of just the you know bridging or telling of emotional and psychological stories and sharing of those emotional or psychological experiences between one another you know so when i was growing up so i am a baby i was a baby who was born in the late 80s grew up in the early 90s and so i was weaned on a steady diet of all right you know we have spielberg films you know so growing up watching jaws watching as much as I don't like it, and this is an episode for another time, E.T., you know, stuff like George Lucas's Star Wars, you know, Star Wars was a seminal part of my growing up. And, you know, let's let's be real here. Star Wars is definitely like a theme park attraction, you know, you know, Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Like, let's just let's just group those two together. They're definitely theme park attractions. Those are films that you watch them and you're just like i'm on an adventure this is a roller coaster this is exciting oh and then you can fly down to orlando and you can actually experience rides and shows that are based on these at an actual theme park but all right they're cinematic experiences that are exciting that are ride-like that are engrossing that transport you but they also have a firm understanding of the cinematic art they're still great cinema. They're still communicating these emotional, psychological things. They're getting you to understand their characters, to see their point of view. So you're not just going on this journey with them. You're having these conversations with them. You're understanding them. How is that any different than what's going on with some of the Marvel movies that are coming out right now? And it's like, yes, you may not like the production of all of them. You may not like the writing of all of them, but there is a definite arc to what Tony Stark experiences across these movies, you know, and sure, it's not always the most consistent, but there is some very real emotional, psychological stuff that is being portrayed on screen and through these films, um, you know, but going back to when I grew up again, you know, so it's like we have stuff like Terminator and Alien and, you know, Sure, again, you know, Terminator 1, Alien, you know, they were both kind of these horror films about survival. And you, again, get transported into the lives of these characters who are going through this harrowing experience and you're there with them 
despite it being a roller coaster ride. And sure, they doubled down into action movies in their both of their second iterations, but they both find a way to kind of make the psychological, emotional experience of these characters kind of first and foremost. And so that's, again, it's just like kind of weird to me, you know, the biggest example that I that I opened with is, you know, a, a great film from the early 90s, which is Jurassic Park, which is literally a film about a theme park, which is set up like a theme park ride. Like we are going through all the experiences of a theme park ride as we watch this film. And yes, we're still getting the emotional psychological aspects of these characters so it's just it's it's weird to me that the terms that were used make it seem like a film can't both be an exciting ride-like experience and have emotional or psychological relevance or resonance like it's just absurd like and i don't i don't understand where that comes from because it's almost like hey your movie needs to be boring in order to be cinema like that's that's what i start to feel when i hear stuff like what scorsese was saying and you know i i know i know that's not what he's saying you know and i know that from look i i love a lot of scorsese's body of work like there is some weird inherent racism in a lot of it, which is troubling when I watch certain projects that he's worked on. And, and you know, when you watch his stuff and actually think about it with that in mind, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. But we're, but we're not talking about that today. <laughs> that might be a subject for another episode. But, you know, I, I think about films like Goodfellas, all right? Goodfellas is, I, I would argue it's probably on my personal top 10 lists of films. I, I love that movie. And, and part of that is just like the personal emotional connection. You know, I watched that film a ton with my dad. We love it. Ray, Ray Liotta's laugh was one of our favorite things. It's still one of my favorite things. Um, just because it, it sounds like he's just forcing out a laugh. He's shooting it at you and it's just ridiculous. But I would argue that that film in a lot of ways is kind of like a, a theme park ride. It, it's kind of like this you know, big mashup of, you know, all of our favorite kind of mob tropes all in one fun ride that we go on. And, you know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, I, I find myself comparing a lot of things to Goodfellas. Like when I saw Hustlers, I was like, oh, it's Goodfellas, but with strippers. And, you know, a lot of that is because what Scorsese was able to do, which is exactly what I'm arguing about with some of these other films from some of these other directors who you could make the argument make theme park cinema. Um, you know, they he's marrying this idea of this fun ride, this this fun experience, despite, you know, we, we don't want to say we're celebrating the mob. You know, that's there's no fun in celebrating the mob. Um, he's taking these experiences and he's marrying them with the psychology of these characters in this really interesting way. And we love that. And I would argue that's a lot of the same reason why people get really invested in these Marvel movies, in some of the science fiction that people love in horror movies. You know, it's this idea that, yeah, we're going on this ride, we're going on this roller coaster, but we're doing it with people that 
we're getting to understand that we're getting to know you know it's 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 funny because you know just thinking about thinking about the avengers films for a second you know one of my favorite characters in comic books has always been the incredible hulk and a big part of that is probably the my the influence of my uncle who is an avid collector of the incredible hulk he has pretty much every issue so like the hulk has always been a big character for us and part of the reason why we loved the hulk was this idea of the psychology you know what is he dealing with the idea of having these two personalities fighting for one body you know and the trauma that creates um you know and everything that goes with that and that's something that we've gotten to see on the big screen through these avengers films we've gotten to see this the hulk's transformation and his fighting within himself and trying to deal and trying to cope with trauma and trying to build a relationship despite being you know uh as we perceive it broken in some way or a monster in his own eyes and so it's like you're gonna tell me that that's not an emotional or psychological piece that we're getting captain america you know let's just let's just take you know the spangly boy for a second all right he is a man out of time who lost his opportunity to have that dance with the woman he loved and he is kind of forced into this new world where he has to adapt he has to learn and he will never feel fully in place because he's still missing that one thing that he never got to do in his life um that's not emotional or psychological <laughs> you know it, it's 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 the challenge of you know even even people like spider-man you know like great power comes great responsibility we're talking about a character whose entire journey everything that we love about this character is not the fact that he swings from webs and fights criminals it's the fact that he's trying to deal with life he is trying to deal with the experiences that he is given and work through those and it just so happens that he has to fight villains on the side but that's not the real drama of spider-man you know we're never we're never concerned when he's in the suit we are concerned about his emotional and psychological well-being you know and, and i think that's the part that's missed like when you look at when you look at cinema solely from the lens of how it's produced who it's producing it what studio is behind it you start to miss a lot of those things and so i think for me that's a lot of where i see scorsese really speaking out of turn uh, with a lot of this because i think it comes from a place of not truly understanding the material that he's talking about and again it's not for him necessarily not all cinema is made for all people we know this we know this to be true there are certain projects that are made with a specific audience in mind scorsese might feel like he is making cinema for everybody but he has a very specific audience in mind you know when he was younger it was definitely an east coast born you know probably italian american or you know film student or whoever was his probably his target demo and he may not have thought about it that way. He may think that his stories are universal, but let's be real, that's who was being attracted to his work. And in a lot of ways, it's probably still who's being attracted to his work, you know? And so is it, you know, in, in my definitions of cinema, should I say that his work isn't cinema because it only speaks to a certain population or it only 
it only has a story that it's telling for a certain population? No, no, because I, I don't want to be unfair to these to these other people that are putting in this hard work to make these stories happen. You know, and I think that's the thing, you know, when we talk about movies, when we talk about films, like one, I'm just going to say this right here because I was going to do an episode about this eventually, but since I have you here, I generally use those terms interchangeably. Um, however, when I want you to know like, hey, this is something that's really good. This is, you know, this is really well made. I will generally refer to something as a film. So everything is a movie until it's a film, until it crosses that threshold where you're like, oh no, like this is potentially classic, then it becomes a film. Or, you know, you're probably not gonna like it, I might refer to it as a film. And then that's like general public probably won't like it, you know. Sorry to call you all the general public, I know some of you are, are really into the artisanal films, but you know, I, I have to speak to the people. Um, and, and so that's like, that's a big piece of it. It's like kind of getting past this semantic of it all. Um, and yeah, it's just like, you know, my idea of cinema, you know, because the, the thing is it's, it's been expanding, you know, the way that I think about cinema is, is clearly a lot different than Scorsese thinks about it because for, for me, cinema is pretty much everything that has to do with movies and it's not, it, it, it's not restricted to something being independent or artisan or from an auteur. Um, it's literally everything that, that has to do with the cinema. And, and some experiences are more cinematic or more movie-like, because like, let's, let's be real. Like if we go with base definitions of the word cinema, just gonna pull two definitions for you here. Uh, one, cinema noun british a theater where movies are shown for public entertainment a movie theater so that's one definition of cinema a movie theater hmm interesting second definition i have right here the production of movies as an art or industry huh huh um interesting uh nothing Nothing about emotions. Oh, here's another one. Merriam-Webster, uh, uh, 1A, motion picture, usually used attributably. B, a motion picture theater. 2A, movies, especially the film industry. B, the art or technique of making motion pictures. Huh, huh, so that, that that's pretty broad. Cinema is basically movies and everything relating to movies. So why would we restrict the definition outside of just wanting to be elitist uh, or potentially keeping others outside of this industry? Um, I mean, there's that's this is always it's it's this is old man yelling at clouds. I mean, like we're talking about such a get off my lawn style argument about what this thing is. And, you know, while I don't fully disagree that I think there are some shortcuts that are made, especially on the studio side of things. And I would like to see a more diverse pool of big budget films being made, you know, while I don't disagree there, 
I think what we're doing here is we're we're trying to set up, you know, or not what we're doing, you know, what he is doing with this language, with this very specific choice of language, is he is saying, this doesn't belong here. You are ruining the sanctity of my house. We have set this up. This is what it's supposed to be, and you are ruining that get off of my lawn. And I, I just, <laughs> I have a lot of problems with that because, you know, again, like what, what we talked about in, in my episode about TV and the changing landscape there, I would argue that we have some of the most cinematic TV that we have ever had. You know, whether you're looking at stuff like Game of Thrones or you're looking at a Breaking Bad. And, and this is the perfect time to talk about this because El Camino just dropped and it's basically another two hour, it's it's the two hour epilogue to Breaking Bad. And it is cinematically great, but the whole show was cinematically great. And just because it's on TV doesn't make it any less cinematic. You know, we've been seeing such a move to making more television production cinematic. And so I have such a problem with us or with anybody who's trying to say that cinema can only be one thing or it should only be looked at in this way because it's just silly you know what we want is more people seeing the possibility within cinema so that they feel like they can get into this industry and they can start telling the stories that they want to tell who are going to in turn influence and inspire other people to want to tell their stories, to want to get involved in the industry, and to want to make more films, to want to make more cinema that tells more interesting, emotional, and psychological stories. Because unless we are inspiring people to do things, they're not gonna do it. You know, why would I, why would I find myself watching a Scorsese film if I hadn't first kind of wet my teeth on stuff like Spielberg and Lucas as I was growing up. Because when I was a kid, you know, there was no way that I was gonna watch Raging Bull. What does that mean to me? I need to watch Rocky first and say, huh, what's another boxing movie that I can watch? Who else is telling boxing stories? Huh, there's this guy, Martin Scorsese, he's got this film, Raging Bull. I should probably check that out. Shouldn't I check that out? That's like, that's the thing. You know, people don't think about the escalation or, or the, the path, the journey that people take to get to some of these folks. And so, you know, I'm not going to look down on Rocky and completely dismiss it because I think that Raging Bull is a better film. You know, again, despite both of these films having very overt racist tropes that they are kind of working through. Um, you know, I, I still think they are both great films. They're just told differently. They are shot differently. They are done differently. But I needed one to get me into a place where I was interested in finding the other. And I think that's the thing. What I'm trying to get at is there's a space for all of this stuff. There's a space for different genres. There's a space for different production methods. There's a space for people who have a different vision of what cinema is. But because of that, we shouldn't be dismissive. So if you're going to become a director, if you are working on films, if you are a producer, 
it should be in your best interest not to dismiss the work that other folks are doing just because you don't think it's on the same artisanal level as what you're doing. You should be inspiring people to work their hardest to make the film that speaks to them and the folks that they want to reach. You know, and so if that happens to be, hey, you want to make the next big budget Marvel film, do the best damn big budget Marvel film that you can and speak to the largest audience that you can and make them care about your characters. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, his argument is really, sure, we have too many of these theme park rides, but what's important to me is that these characters speak to people. Make your characters speak to people. If that's all it takes to be within his definition of cinema, great. But we shouldn't have, we shouldn't be having this argument. This is silly. This is silly. Like, I mean, it's 2019. We have more entertainment than we've probably ever had in our lives. We have cinematic video games. We have cinematic storytelling on TV. Hell, some of our comic books are even cinematic now. So, I mean, you know, it, 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 we're at a place. And, and again, just, just now that like my mind is there, like, I mean, I grew I was reading Michael Crichton in the fourth grade. So if you don't know, he's the guy who wrote Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Andromeda Strain, Congo, um, The 13th Warrior or Eaters of the Dead, uh, a whole bunch of novels that were turned into cinema. And, you know, it's one of those things that constantly reminds me. It's like this stuff can come from literally anywhere and be told by anybody. And, and be done in these kind of radically different ways. Like, so I, I just think this is an argument that needs to be put to rest because it's not saying a whole lot, it's being dismissive, it's being elitist, and it's trying to, it, it's it's really trying to keep people out of, out of this arena that, that they should be able to enter into. Um, you know, and, and again, like, look, we're all going to think that these films have differing qualities and we go to these films for different reasons. We can have both. It's fine. We don't need to put one down in order to celebrate the other. That's, that's where I'm going to leave this. I mean, that's that, those are my feelings on cinema, on films, on movies. Um, and, and my feelings on, you know, Scorsese's silly comments. And, and again, like he is entitled to his opinion. The man has done some, some really seminal works of film. Um, he's, I mean, and yeah, we live in a country where you can say whatever you want to say. So, I mean, you know, that's not gonna, that's not gonna stop him. You know, my, my little rant here makes no, I don't want to, or intend to impede on on what he has to say or tell him what he should think. Um, but I did want to share my opinion and yeah, and that's, that's it. you know, cinema for all, like cinema takes all types and, you know, produces all types. there we have it that's another episode of stay watching do you agree do you disagree do you think scorsese is right do you think there are too many theme parks in our cinema do you think we need more films that are you know slow and uh, just emotional and psychological whatever hit me up on social media at larry tron pretty much everywhere on social media let me know what you think 
or email me larry at lm2photo.com um this has been the end of another episode i have some great stuff coming up for you all i'm not going to tell you what it is i've told you about it countless times in the past and don't worry some of the episodes that i have alluded to will be coming up soon um just carving out time to record so uh stay tuned there um as always as i've let you know i'm a part of the hard knock media collective hard noc the podcast and multimedia arm of the nerds of color uh your place on the internet for all things nerdy from the perspectives of people of color um we have a lot of great shows like hard knock life which is the flagship podcast of the nerds of color DC TV Classics, which looks at the uh, history of DC's foray into the television world, as well as Southern Fried Asians, which looks at the life experiences of Asians and the U.S. South. So uh, check those great shows out, hardknockmedia.com. Uh, and always, as always, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Stay watching, fam. Peace. Thank you.